chapter two is all about relationships, right? I mean, really, in essence, it's all about relationships. Right. We talked about that a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah. And how even this Christology is in the context of how to have good relationships. And that is, this was the attitude of Jesus, because this is who he was. Now reflect this in your relationships. So living in the kingdom of God is really a different point of view. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Your journey of faith is something you have to go on, and you're either growing in it or you're shrinking in it. That's right. And we want to be part of your growing process here at the Salty Pastor Podcast by helping you learn how to think for yourself critically so critically that you think. know yeah. what you believe and why you believe it so you can You have a brain. Use you your brain. Everyone else wants to tell you not to. We are telling <laughs> you, use your brain, and we want to be a part of the process of you developing it. Yes. So, my name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the salty pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Hey, everybody. Remember, life is too short to be shallow. The other reason why I don't think it's important, uh, the reason why I think it's important to not be shallow, to have some depth and substance to who you are as a person is that shallow people are easily manipulated, you know, gullible. And that's very important to understand is, you know, marketers want you to make decisions based emotionally, not reasonably. And all marketing is geared towards this to try to create an emotional reaction within you. Now, emotions are great, but the problem is, is that emotions can be deceptive. They can be wrong. Mm. They can be good. They can be bad. They, they, they just are, and they're not a, a discerning framework in which to make good decisions. Right. And that's really important because a lot of times our emotions are tied to our drives mm. and our drives can be really good and they can also be warped and perverted. So that's really important to understand is that the way you want to live life is with depth and substance, because in the end, you not only will avert being manipulated from the shallowness of people around you, but you're going to look back on your life. And you're going to say, man, I was not perfect. I was, but boy, what a great journey this was. And that's what the salty pastor is all about. It's helping people find how to live the great life that God has called us to live. Absolutely. And we are currently studying the book of Philippians yes. as part of our series, Lemons or Lemonade. And Tuesday, we dug into the entire second chapter where some of the most important texts from the foundation of our faith are written by the Apostle Paul. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Christology is in there. There's another Christology in the first chapter of Colossians. Mm, okay. And you can, a lot of people, uh, scholars will take them and, and compare them. You know, there's a lot of really wonderful, meaty things in there. But I think it's really important to understand is that, you you know, Paul is telling the Philippians who were Romans predominantly, Roman right. Gentiles, how to live in the kingdom of God. Mm. Okay. So now they would know a little bit about the kingdom of God because they might be familiar with Judaism, but Judaism's, uh, uh, concept of the kingdom of God was basically a Jewish state here on earth. Right. As a matter of fact, the religious ruling body of all Judaism was the Sanhedrin. And in the Sanhedrin, you had two segments, like similar to Republicans and Democrats, but okay. they were Pharisees and Sadducees. Similar to like the House and the Senate. 
Yeah. But what's so fascinating is the Sadducees were, they didn't believe in the afterlife at all. Mm. They didn't believe in a heaven. And so there was a massive uh, principle or ideology or doctrine within Judaism at this time who their only concept of the kingdom of God was an Israeli state here on earth and that God wanted to rule a Jewish state here on earth. And so that's what's interesting about the point is that the Philippians then would have this mentality or this ideology swimming around in their background a little bit, maybe more, some more than others. Okay. Okay. And yet Paul says, I don't want you to have that ideology. I want you to understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God, even while you're living in the kingdom of this world. Mm. You're in the great in between. Okay. And he said, so you get to exercise your faith. You know, faith isn't something that just happens to you by accident. That's why we do the salty pastor is that you don't just, you know, accidentally your faith grows. It's an intentional process. It's like working out. It's like learning or educating yourself. It's like uh, developing wisdom. It's like having a relationship. All these things are done with effort and intentionality, and they produce a wonderful harvest in your life. They don't just happen by accident, you know? And so it's really important to understand that Paul is saying these are things that you can be in order to live in the kingdom of God every single day. And chapter two is all about relationships, right? I mean, really, in essence, it's all about relationships. Right. We talked about that a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah. And how even this Christology is in the context of how to have good relationships. And that is... This was the attitude of Jesus because this is who he was. Now reflect this in your relationships. So living in the kingdom of God is really a different point of view. It's changing your attitude, a complete attitude adjustment, because the end goal of your life is completely different than it was before. And what you valued before is different than what you value Now, in a lot of followers of Christ don't understand this. And so they have a powerless faith or a weak faith. And they're not walking and living and exercising their faith in the kingdom of God here on earth. And because of that, they live frustrated, disappointing, aggravated, anxious lives. And you're not designed for that. And so that's what's really important to understand is that your faith needs to be enacted. And this happens when you change your point of view and your attitude about the point and purpose of your life. And therefore, it's not hard to change your point of view. It's not Mm. a difficult task, but it makes all the difference in the world. And that's why the kingdom of God and understanding it is so important. So it seems like this is a huge principle that we really need to have a really solid grasp on if we want to be successful in the Mm -hmm. development and growth of our faith, because relationships are one of the hardest things about life. (laughs) If we're being honest, like life wouldn't be so hard if we didn't have to deal with people on a daily basis. Right? Yeah. I, I think right now, you know, as we, we try to practically apply these principles right now, what I'm reading is that, men are choosing in massive amounts to not get married. Mm. You know, they'll have girlfriends, they'll sleep with their girlfriends, uh, but they don't want to be married, you know? And, and part of it is because the rules of a relationship now are so confusing and so changed that 
very, very few people are dating with intentionality to get married and have kids. Right. And uh, to be a woman is the same thing. Women, women are extremely confused about what makes them happy. You know, all research points to the fact that even though women are living in the most free and equal time in the history of the world for them, they are more unhappy than ever before. Uh, just recently, they said by 2030, which is seven years from now, 50% of women between 25 and 45 will be single. Mm. I mean, just think about that. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so I, I think that that is a, a really um, astounding sign that things relationally are more confusing than ever before. Uh, I was just reading recently about a phenomenon of all these kids, right, who are now adults. They're in their 30s, and they they have no contact policies with their parents. Isn't that interesting? That they don't want anything to do with their parents, right? So, and, and so at first I'm like, well, the Bible says honor your father and mother, you know, and you guys need to get with it, blah, blah, blah. But then you go in and you realize that these kids were raised by non-believing secular parents, right? Mm. Um, and these, these progressive leftist, secular, atheistic parents did horrendous damage to these kids. And they're like, my parents are so toxic. I can't have them in my life. And then a, but there's another group of kids that grew up. Their parents were drug addicts and hippies and, and dopers. And you know what I'm saying? And they, they were into the free love thing with no structure. And, you know, their parents were hippies and stuff like that. And they're like, I, I can't have my parents in my life because they're so toxic. You know, I mean, my, 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 my parents will give their grandkids marijuana when they're four, you know, and they're like, I can't have that. You know, my my parents giving my toddlers drugs. I, that's crazy. And so I'm like, wow, what is this world come to this world? Why is it so nutty? And I think the reason why is because relationships are one of the, the biggest part of your life. Your relationships determine the quality, not only of your perception of your life, but your health, your mental health, your emotional health, your psychological right. health. Um, the main relationships that society was built around for, you know, thousands of years, regardless of the political system was first and foremost marriage, you know, that the reason, you know, men are raised to do what find a woman and marry her, have children. So the second biggest relationship in life was parent child relationship, mm -hmm. right? And then the final set of relationship was your, your friendships, business partnerships, you know, your social circle. Right. And that these were the most important relationships. And what has happened is since the seventies is our society, a big chunk of our society has chosen to just dispense with all of that, turn it all upside down. And GK mm. Chesterton says this, it says, you know, when you tear stuff down and you don't know why, what you're tearing down, you have no idea of the result you're going to get. Right. And the result that we're getting now we're seeing is a, is because we've torn down things like marriage, parent-child relationship in the nuclear family. We destroyed the whole principle and concept and commitment to it. The biggest challenges that we face today for living in the kingdom of God with that point of view uh, regarding our relationships is the kingdom of the world. 
You see, the kingdom of this world has so upended these relationships and redefined them in such a radical way that people are absolutely confused. You know, they don't even, they don't even know. I was listening to this one gal. It's called Little Pearly Things, and she interviews women, and she, she says something all the time, and it's really fascinating, is she, she basically rejects feminism. She rejects all this stuff. She rejects, she says we live in a gynocentric world, and meaning it all revolves around women. She says that today's women, this is her position, is today's women can do anything they want without any consequences. They, they, women are held to zero account for their behavior. You know, they, they can act in the most uh, 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 sexual way at work. They can say and do whatever they want, make any joke they want, you know, treat people and say suggestive things like that with zero accountability. But as soon as a man says something, then they can sue that man for uh, sexual harassment, right? Um, they can choose to have kids or not have kids. They can abort their kids, you know, uh, if they get pregnant. And she says, because of that, they have no accountability in that regard. And then she talks about how 80% of divorces are now initiated by women because women are so dissatisfied with what they're getting out of their partners. And one of the things that she says this, she says so fascinating, she says, the women shame men in relationships and dating relationships all the time. And that is, she says, this is just ridiculous because what women want is they want traditional men. You know, they want a traditional man without being a traditional woman. Mm. And, and her point is really fascinating. She says, you, you spend your 20s going to clubs and sleeping with guys and you're not pure, right? You may have a kid or two out of wedlock and then you turn around and you want to marry a guy that making six figures over six feet tall and is going to provide for you so that you can do whatever you want. But so, and then if he doesn't like you or want you, you shame him for that. You say, well, he wants a young girl with, you know, that's uh, pure or virgin. Well, that's wrong. He wants a girl who's in shape. That's wrong. So you, sh she, this is her position. I'm describing her position. She says, this makes no sense to me. You're shaming men for their wants and preferences, but then you turn around and say, I want a guy who's six feet tall. I want a guy who makes six figures. I want a guy who's going to let me do whatever I want. His money is my money, but my money is still my money. You know, this is a really big thing. And so it's just fascinating to me how this gal is saying this is that women today want a traditional outcome, but they don't want to follow any traditional mores, you know, right. any principles. And, and I would say that in the name of equality, um, guys are the same way, you know, guys want a woman who will be this, but they don't do anything to be a guy or a man. You know, they, there's right. boys running around. And so I get the fact that these relationships are so convoluted because everybody listens to the world. And this has come into the church today. You know, this has come into the church today. And I think it's really fascinating because what has happened is, you know, uh, young people today, I, I don't think that I have done, uh, I mean, let me rephrase it. In the hundreds of weddings that I've done in the last 10 years, I've been doing weddings now for 36 years, right? And over that period of time, when I started, if a couple was cohabitating before they got married, right? There would be a serious talk about that and blah, 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 blah. Today, that is the rule, not the exception. Mm. In the last 10 years, probably 
you know, and one of the reasons why I just quit doing weddings, you know, it's like, well, the young people need to kind of figure this out and the young pastors need to work and, and all this kind of stuff. But the, one of the reasons why I don't do them anymore is because nine out of 10 times the couple's cohabitating together. And it says in Hebrews specifically, it says society must honor the marriage bed. Even it doesn't say people who want to get married. It says everybody needs mm. to honor the marriage bed. What does that mean? Well, that means is that marriage it needs to have a special place in the world because marriage was the biggest thing that protected men and women and children. I mean, all the research says this. All the research says that the best thing for a man is to get married and stay married to that woman. That's the best thing in the world for him to do. It helps his, it helps him civilize him. It helps his mental focus. And what I would say is that from a biblical standpoint, it really ties into your masculine soul. God designed you with raging testosterone and masculinity <laughs> for a purpose. You know what that purpose is, is to provide and protect. Right. You know, you're physically stronger. You can focus on a task and that is you can go out, ply a f plow a field. You can hunt an animal, you, whatever it takes to put food on that. You can, you know, chop down a forest and build a house so that your family is protected from the elements. If someone wants to come and injure your family, you can defend them. These are parts of your masculine soul to provide and protect. And the purposeless of young men is astounding because no one in society challenges them to seek out this thing called marriage and stay committed to it that appeals to the masculine thirst of their soul. So they're mm. out there trying to fill it in its, its empty pursuits, and they kind of know this. And that's why so many of these men don't want to grow up. This is the whole concept of Peter Pan. It's amazing to me that the original story of Peter Pan was a, uh, a parody of criticism against boys and against men. It was a critique of the stupidity of men who would not grow up, right? right. That's what it was. But you know what the fairy tale is today? It's the utopia that we're pursuing. That we're supposed to stay young forever. We're supposed to be Peter Pan, right. right? But the whole point is Peter Pan was never challenged to grow up until he met who? Wendy. And what does Wendy represent? Femininity, I would guess. 100%. The, the, the chaos of beauty. The feminine. And, and now Peter Pan wants to do what with Wendy when he brings... He wants to protect her and right. provide for her, which is what? An adult thing. thing. Yes. Okay. So marriage was the best thing ever for guys. But you know what? And this is what astounds me is the amount of women that listen to the feminist trope that marriage is somehow oppressive to women. I could go and quote you all of this, this, you know, things from feminists about how, you know, marriage is a trap and it holds women down and blah, blah, blah. No. The only people who think that, who think that the only value a female has is to be a worker bee, to go and work and make money so you can pay taxes and then your government can manipulate you to be something you don't want to be and live a life that's completely unfulfilling. You've worked, 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 when the most fulfilling thing of the feminine soul is to do what? Nurture and birth. You know, women are physically weaker than men, right? In the, general, yes. In general, 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to find, you know, those overlaps. You're going to find like an MMA fighter who is stronger than, you know, a, a violinist. Right. <laughs> you know, you're going to find that. But in general, I mean, 95, 98% of the time, it's the males are stronger than females. And what's really fascinating to me is how what's happening in our society today is that the thing that makes women so special and unique is being erased. Mm. This is the culture of death that abortion has bought. Abortion is was designed to say that being a feminine woman, a woman that wants to birth and nurture, right, which is some of the most important things, that that's what men value, right? It's erase that and be like a guy. Well, I can tell you this right now is the reason I love women is because they're not guys. <laughs> the reason I love women is because they're beautiful. Right. Now, in Jesse, in any given situation, I might go out on a limb and say, you know, you are a good looking guy or you're a <laughs> handsome guy, but I'm never going to say you're beautiful. I appreciate that, Pastor. Because <laughs> that would just be what? Weird. <laughs> weird. <laughs> so weird. But men love, I love the beauty of women. They are so unique and wonderful and special. And now your unique quality, ladies, is being erased. The whole... Uh, transgenderism is to erase you right is to erase you as a unique and special woman and guess what is happening now i've i'd never realized this but the most radical feminist groups have figured this out and now they're fighting against transgender movement the whole gender identity movement mm. they're starting to fight against it because it's so weird that biblical kingdom point of view is now being aligned on this one issue with what the most radical feminists right. have come over and said, can we kind of be on your team for a little bit, you know, and it's really fascinating to me. So I think the, 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 the last thing I want to say is that the family is the best thing in the world for kids, right? Mm. There's not a research study out there that will say kids do better in uh, blended or single parent homes. Every all the research says that the best thing for kids, the best outcomes, right, for all kids is to grow up with their bio mom and dad. Okay. Now this is what's really fascinating. You know what else research says is that the the closest outcomes to that original nuclear family is if you're raised by a single father. Hmm. The th the third position away from that is if you're in a blended family. And the fourth position in that, the, the place with the, the least or the worst outcomes for kids is being raised by a single mom. Now, this is what the research says. I'm not here trying to say single moms, we're heaping it on you. No, it's just that you're in a situation that requires an inordinate amount of help, right? right. It's extremely difficult. That's why our church, you know, we embrace single moms, we want to help single moms, but we're not going to lie to you as a single mom. We're not going to tell you that being a single mom is the greatest choice of your life and you're this empowered feminist goddess that can conquer everything in the world all on your own. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. You are now in a difficult situation. You need men in your life. You need positive male role models. You need to go to a church that is led by men, has strong men in it, intergenerational men, you know, and I'm going to be really salty here, but if you're a single mom and you have an eight-year-old girl, do you want to take her to a church where the skinny jean mafia up there dressed like women is the role models for your eight-year-old girl? 
Probably not. You can do whatever you want, people. Salty Pastor isn't here to tell you what to do, but I am here to say some things to get you to think. What kind of a man do you want your eight-year-old girl looking up to, right, right, as a role model in her life? Well, that that should answer your question. You see, what Paul is talking about in this is that the kingdom of God has a different point of view. And this is how you treat people in the kingdom of God. You can have these relationships if you live in the kingdom of God with this attitude in your life. You will experience the intimacy that he had with Timothy, right? And Epaphroditus and the Philippians, right? You're, you're going to experience the friendship and, and the camaraderie of these things, the band of brothers, when you have the point of view of the kingdom of God and are living in it, the atti- this attitude. But this is not a pipe dream. This is not a utopia. This is not some oh, wouldn't it be great if we figured out this way, you know, it's a new commune and we all live this way, blah, blah. What happened right. to all the communes that got started in the United States in the 70s? All gone. They're all gone. <laughs> because just because you have an idea doesn't make it right. And this is why the Christology in the second chapter is so important. Because what Paul is saying is the kingdom of God and these relationships that we must preserve and we must do and endeavor to preserve are based on something jesus christ who is god this is the power of the kingdom of god it's not based on something men made up it's not an ideology it's not a philosophy it is the very power of god the creator himself who took the form of a bondservant and showed us in humility how to think of others as more important than ourselves without uh, debasing ourselves in the process, mm. how we lift everybody up together and how we must value marriage. We must value the parent child relationship. We must value our social bond. We need to value these things, but we live in a world today. Guess what? That is devaluing all of that. And the notion that our society can devalue those things and then have a healthy society is cow manure. Well, Pastor, I think you have given us a lot to think about today. I actually was just in in awe, basically, <laughs> going through all of these ideas. And I think, again, this is a chance for you guys to critically think for yourself. Yes. Pastor Doug has given you a lot of information. He's told you what a lot of research has said. But you need to go look at that research yourself. Don't just assume that every single thing we say is 100% accurate, right? That. Mm-hmm. That is how you get in trouble. Same thing should not be true when you listen to media. Do not assume that everything they say is 100% accurate. Assume it's all inaccurate. (laughs) Need to go evaluate for yourself. So take these things, take these ideas that Pastor Doug has put forward. Take this idea that Paul puts forward in the book of Philippians and evaluate it for yourself and go, what is really going to get me the best outcomes in my life? How am I going to grow my faith and how am I going to have the best life possible? And it's probably, I would assume going to be more aligned with what Paul said than what the, what the world is going to say. So, but that's Mm -hmm. something that you have to go through. That's something that you have to work out and something that you need to critically think for yourself. Because if you just blindly follow anyone who happens to have a microphone in this world, you are going to get into a lot of trouble. And that's how we got to where we're at today. (laughs) Amen. So please make sure you are doing your own research, critically thinking for yourself and make sure that you are spending time praying 
in spending time in the word because that's how you're going to find the best path forward in your life for you mm-hmm. and your family and your spouse. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Sunday as Pastor Doug will be preaching on this exact subject, Philippians chapter 2. And make sure you're reading through the book of Philippians a lot this month because there's a lot of really good stuff in there, and it's only four chapters. You can get through it. You can get through Very it a quickly. lot a couple times, and that's going to help you better understand it. So thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Salty Pastor Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Blessings.